Great to be with you this morning. We're continuing in the series that we started last week on practicing simplicity. Uh, So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 12, verse 13. Luke 12, verse 13, and we'll pick up there in a moment. Uh, As you're turning there, a few resources we'd like to recommend for the series. Uh, One is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Uh, This is one of my all-time favorite uh, books on uh, practicing the way and following Jesus. It was very influential in our series a year ago, uh, and it'll be influential in this series as well. Uh, There's The More of Less by Joshua Becker, which is a very um, practical, easy read on simplicity and minimalism and uh, ties in some of the way of Jesus as well. Uh, And then we have um, uh, The Freedom of Simplicity by Richard Foster. And this is sort of probably the densest one, has the most sort of theology, church history uh, to it. And then there's a fourth one that I found very helpful that's just called Biblical Minimalism by Cheryl Smith. Uh, And we'll we'll mention those resources again uh, throughout the series, Uh, but we also want to make copies of uh, some of those books available for any of you who want to go deeper on this topic. So there's a few copies of some of the books out and more will be put out in the weeks ahead. So feel free to grab one of those if you want. And of course, uh, you can always grab a Bible and take that home as well. Uh, With that, we'll pick up in Luke 12, verse 13. This is what it says. Someone in the crowd said to him, to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, his disciples, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Let's pray. Jesus, we uh, thank you for the gift that is life, uh, for the opportunity to even be gathered together this morning uh, in person, in your presence. Just the, the, uh, to have life is such a gift, but to have life in which we're alerted to who you are, in which we're walking in your ways, in which we're receiving abundant life from you. Uh, there, there's nothing better than that in this age than to be your follower, uh, to know you, to walk in your presence. And so uh, we open the scriptures this morning, Uh, But without you, without your presence actually transforming us, working in our hearts, without your grace and power at work within us, uh, it's not really worth much. They're just empty words. And so we invite you here, Lord, uh, to touch, to transform, to open our eyes, to lead us like a shepherd into places of more and more abundant life. Would you do that this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. If you rewind the clock, a hundred years, most Americans were farmers. We lived naturally simple lives. We didn't have much. We didn't need much. But Hitler and the Nazis changed everything. Uh, With the Second World War came the industrializing of America, and the world would never be the same. As the Nazi regime fell, 
the, and relative peace returned to the land, we had to decide what to do with the industrial war machine that was America. Do we shut down all of the factories and send everyone back to their farms, or is there another way forward? And it was in this moment that a seed was planted, that an idea was born, one that gave birth to the world that we know today. We must shift America, one voice said, from a needs culture to a desires culture. People must be trained to desire, to want new things, even before the old have been entirely consumed. We must shape a new mentality. Man's wants must overshadow his needs. That's Paul Mazur from the Lehman Brothers during this crucial moment. And thus, the industrial war machine was repurposed around a new consumer economy. Uh, advertisers learned to play off of two basic human needs or impulses. I want and I fear. And hence, the mania of modern advertising was born. Fast forward 80 years and billions of dollars are spent every year to convince you and I of a very simple idea. More is better. Or said another way, life consists in an abundance of possessions. You have been fed this idea, this lie, all day, every day, for decades. And if we're brutally honest, almost every single one of us here this morning, on some level or another, believes that to be true. But notice that it stands in stark contrast to the teachings of Jesus. A man approaches Jesus with a legal matter. My brother owes me half the inheritance. It's rightfully mine under the law. This may be my only chance to accumulate significant wealth. You have authority, Jesus. Tell him what to do. I want that money. I need that money. Watch out, Jesus replied. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed or the lust for more. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And now the stage is set. And as followers of Jesus, we literally have to choose who we are going to believe. Do we believe Jesus when he says that life does not consist in an abundance of possessions? Or do we believe several thousand advertisements a day training us to believe that life does consist in an abundance of possessions? Uh, in, in our minds, we'd like to think that we are free and autonomous creatures uh, governed by logic. In reality, we are easily manipulated by mass marketing no matter how badly we'd like to deny it. 
and hence our need for simplicity. Simplicity, as we've defined it, is the intentional promotion of the things we most value and the removal of everything else that distracts us from them. And it is central to life with Jesus. When Jesus came on the scene, he waged war against the materialism of his day, and he invited his disciples, his followers, into his glorious revolution against material excess. Watch out, he said, wake up. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Be on your guard. Why? Because that mentality can easily slip in. Unnoticed, almost subconsciously, we take it on, we carry it, and it grows to guide us. So he warned, watch out, be on your guard against that mentality. It will wage war against your discipleship to me. It will wage war against your very soul. In fact, Jesus warns elsewhere, he says it this way. He says, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke out the word or the kingdom making it unfruitful. In other words, he's saying, hey, don't let wealth deceive you. Uh, don't be pulled and distracted by the desire for other things. It will smother the abundant life that I want to give you. And again, Jesus says very famously, you cannot serve both God and money. Not that you shouldn't. Not that it's rude. You can't. You cannot do both simultaneously. It's not possible. If we spend our lives enslaved to the idea that more is better, that more is more, then you will miss out on the profound and abundant life that God wants to give you. Simplicity wakes us up. Simplicity sets us free. And that's been my experience over the course of the last year. Uh, I did a single teaching on simplicity about a year ago as part of our Practicing the Way series. But in the process, uh, I was uh, researching for this on this topic and was deeply challenged uh, and convicted and just stirred in my spirit with a desire to follow Jesus in this area of my life. Uh, and in some sense, I thought I already was a minimalist. Uh, I don't have a ton of stuff. I really don't like uh, spending money. I'm kind of uh, thrifty or, or frugal. I don't feel like I need a lot of stuff. I hate shopping. I just kind of thought, oh yeah, I have that. That's, that's, that's me. I'm already a minimalist. I'm already following Jesus in this area. Uh, but on the other hand, I was a terrible candidate for minimalism uh, because I love to collect things. Like something, I just love collections and like collecting things. I'm like, oh, if one keychain is cool, why not have like 120 keychains? Like, if one bicycle is cool, surely like six is going to be awesome. 
uh, and I just find things that I like and I collect them. And so through the years and decades, I had all sorts of just collections of things. Uh, to make matters worse, I'm hopelessly sentimental. And so I would just save stuff from the past, like all sorts of just boxes and boxes full of stuff that I just didn't want to let go of because of the memories that they were tied to or whatever else it was. Um, and so I had tons of stuff from the past. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, I like efficiency and, and being frugal and not wasting anything. Uh, but what that resulted in was this mentality of holding on to stuff just in case. Can you, you relate to that? Like, oh, I don't want to let go of that just in case I need it someday. Like, I, I, can't, I can't get rid of that t-shirt. Like, what if I lose my other 17 favorite t-shirts? <laughs> then I'm going to need this one because all the others will be gone. Like, I need this just in case. Uh, but as I saw Jesus with fresh eyes and noticed his carefree unconcern for possessions, as I heard this uh, call to minimalism in simplicity, uh, something stirred in me uh, and I decided that I wanted to go for it. Uh, and if you want to start in this practice, I would suggest or recommend that you start uh, where I started about a year ago uh, with your closet. Oh, the sigh. Uh, studies show that we wear roughly 20% of our clothes 80% of the time, and the other 80% of our clothes just 20% of the time. Meaning that you and I barely wear 80% of our clothes even though we think we need them. And as I read that statistic, I remember thinking like, is that real? Like, could that really be true? Like, surely that's not true of me. But then I started to take a closer look. Uh, I thought, well, if that's true, then surely there's something in my closet that I don't need or want or wear. Uh, and, and as I was processing through that and reading scripture, I, I heard the call of John the Baptist saying, hey, if you have two coats, or some translations say two shirts, and somebody else doesn't have one, Give one to them. That's, that was John the Baptist saying, here's how you can prepare your heart for the Messiah. This is, this is the way that we're, we're getting ready for him. And I thought, uh, okay, I, like, I can do that. Uh, and, and let me tell you, the, the first step toward minimalism uh, is the scariest, I think, uh, but also the most rewarding. And so I, I, I went to my closet and, and I had that, that, that moment like wrestling in my own heart, like, can I really part with this stuff? Can I really let it go? There's some like sense of security that comes from the physical possessions that I had. Uh, and, and so it was, it was sort of a, a scary moment, but I thought, you know what? There must be something in my closet that I don't need anymore. Like, there must be one thing in here, two things in here. I have to be able to find them. Uh, and so I gave away a few items, things I didn't need or use. And I'm not even sure that the Goodwill wanted them, but I gave them away anyhow. And uh, as I did, what, what happened, it was just a few items, but I immediately felt this little rush of joy and peace. I thought, whoa, that was that like felt better than I thought it would feel to get rid of those items. I just felt a little lighter 
a little happier, a little more joyful. I liked my closet a little bit more. And, and I felt less stressed and less cluttered and less distracted. And I thought, well, maybe I can do that again. Uh, and, and so something, something in me clicked in that moment. I said, wait a second, there's something here. There's, there's life in this. So I went back to uh, my closet and decided to go for it. I got rid of 50% of my clothes in one go, like just gone out the door. Uh, but then I got another rush, more joy, more peace. I felt lighter, even less stressed. And, and I started getting really excited. I actually started to love my closet. It was this sort of piled, stressful, disordered mess before, but all of a sudden some sense of like order and beauty were beginning to emerge out of the chaos. Uh, and I took bins full of my clothes, half my clothes, and gave most of them to um, Cup of Cool Water, which is a nonprofit not far from here that serves homeless youth uh, in the name of Jesus and does really cool Jesus-centered stuff with them and for them. And I just felt an amazing sense of peace about that too. Uh, wow, here's all of this stuff that I really didn't need, that I barely wore, that is now benefiting people who truly need it. Uh, and in the process of doing that, a, a seed was planted. An idea was born in my mind. And I said, wait a second. What if Jesus were right? Like, what if it really is better to give than it is to receive? What if there really is a, an abundant life in simplicity that, that I can grab hold of? What if the life that I'm really aching for is buried underneath all of my stuff? And, and so I did it again. I went home and got rid of 50% of my remaining clothes again, cut it in half, out the door. And it was awesome. And the more I gave, the more joy I experienced and the less stress I felt. And, and from that point forward, I just made it a weekly habit in the weeks that followed of just giving away one item a week. Because by then I was kind of down to like my favorite, you know, 25% of my clothes. But I realized, no, there's still more here. I don't need this stuff. And so I just, once a week, I would just go in and say, what's the worst thing? In, okay, that one's gone. And then the next week, you know what? What's the, I, don't, I don't really need that. It was like the more layers I peeled back, the more I realized, no, there's still stuff here that I really don't need that someone else uh, could use. And so I kept chipping away. And the strangest thing happened through this process. It was like wave after wave of like divine revelation was sweeping over me. And I was realizing uh, that Jesus was telling the truth, that less is more. Think of it this way. Each and every one of us sitting here this morning or watching the live stream, if it's back up again, are, uh, have an ache, a deep ache in our hearts to live a life that's different than the life we're living right now. Search your heart, search your mind, think of, we have this ache. Modern advertisers know that you have that ache. I know that you have that ache. Everyone has it. And so what modern advertising is doing is they're tapping into that and they say, I can turn that ache, that desire for a life different than the one I have right now, 
and I can turn that into dollar bills. I can turn that into profit margins. That, that's, the, that's buried in the art of advertising. They're tapping in to that. But, but what, if that, what if that deep ache is actually going to be more satisfied by following Jesus in this area? What if that's actually where we're going to find satisfaction? What if less is more? What if the life you've always wanted is actually buried under all of your stuff? And so I kept going, and, and all of a sudden, the more I gave away, uh, the more life I found. And here's the crazy thing. I gave away at least 80% of my clothes, and I am more satisfied with my clothes now than I was before. And I discovered this counterintuitive truth buried in Jesus' teachings. I discovered that the more I have, the more I want. And, and counterintuitively, the less I have, the less I want. And, and it sounds odd, and it sounds counterintuitive, but I tell you that it is peace and it is power. G.K. Chesterton said it this way. He said, there are two ways to get enough. One is to continue to accumulate more and more. The other is to desire less. Think about that. Let that sink in for a moment. There are only two ways out of the materialistic rat race that you were born into. Two ways. One is to accumulate more and more. And guess what? The more you have, the more you want to have. The wealthiest people in our country are some of the most dissatisfied people in our country. The more they have, the more they want. The less I have, the less I want the less I desire, I realize I have enough. And so I gave away most of my clothes, and yet I've never been more excited or satisfied with my clothes than I am right now today. And I can honestly tell you, I don't have a desire for more. I didn't buy a single item of clothing in 2020, and it's not because the malls were shut down. Um, I, I, nothing, not even a sock. And I'm more satisfied with my clothes now than I was before. I, I appreciate my clothes now than I did before. And yet in the same breath, uh, the, the connection that I had, my, my addiction to physical things is being broken at the same time. So think of it this way, instead of having 34 t-shirts just in case, I now have four, but, I, and I'm more satisfied with those four than with the 34, they were just buried under all of my stuff, and if you want one of my four t-shirts, I will happily give you one. Like, I'm less attached to the four I have left than I was to the 34 that I was sorting through every day. 
Like something has happened in the way that I relate to material things. Uh, and, and guys, this minimalism thing is addicting. Uh, it, it has uh, sparked this incredible journey for me of learning to trust Jesus all over again and blessing others in the process. And it started with my closet, but then it moved outward from there. So that if it's true of my closet, surely it's true of everything else as well. Uh, and so I started minimizing and simplifying my other stuff. And it's been an immense process that spanned the course of a year. But over the course of the last year, I've given away uh, 80 to 90% of my clothes, 80 to 90% of my books, which was surprisingly hard, uh, my snowboard and snowboarding gear, my acoustic guitar. Uh, I sold my car and traded it for a moped, which doesn't work in the snow, but it's still awesome. Uh, I gave away 80% of my tools and garage stuff and 90% of my sentimental stuff and souvenirs. Uh, and there's a bunch of other things that didn't make this list. Those are some of the highlights. Uh, and I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm, I'm still on this journey, on this process uh, of following Jesus in minimalism and simplicity. And I'm excited to share more of my story in the weeks ahead, but it's, this has been one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. There's truth in that. There is power in that. In fact, I realized that the things I owned were owning me. They were detracting from my quality of life, not adding to it. I had neglected the things I most value in my pursuit of material stuff. And this is the heart of simplicity. You figure out what matters most to you in life. Jesus, the inbreaking kingdom of God, your role, your calling, who God's designed you to be within the kingdom, and you remove everything else, strip away everything else that's distracting you from that. Jesus said it this way. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. The kingdom of God and your purpose within it is the pearl. It is treasure buried in a field. It is worth selling everything for. We intentionally promote the things you most value and strip everything else away. Remove everything that distracts us from it. And this is our template for biblical minimalism. We start with the treasure in the field. We start with the pearl. We start with your purpose. Why are you here? What has God made you to do? 
What are the dreams that he's put in your heart? You start with the pearl and then you work outward from there. You start by promoting the thing you most value, the thing is that God is calling you to with your life. And then you remove the distractions. So for example, my, my purpose, my calling is to follow Jesus. And in this season of life, maybe for the rest of my life, I'm called to equip the saints, that's all of you, for the work of the ministry, which is what I'm attempting to do right now. Okay, that's, that's central to my calling. Central to my calling is, is to be married to my wife, to lead my, my kids, my family in the way of Jesus, to raise them to love Jesus. So I have these things that God has called me to, Jesus, the kingdom, my purpose within it. That's my pearl. That's my treasure that's buried in the field. So it, I'll run everything else through that lens. Is uh, the acoustic guitar that I never play and the snowboard I never ride and 100 books that I've bought and never read and 35 t-shirts and hours of online shopping, are any of those things helping me in my purpose, in the things that I most value, in the reason that I'm alive? Or is it simply distracting from that? Detracting from it? Well, if they're detracting... It has to go. Have I structured my life as if the actual goal is to follow Jesus and become more like him? Or have I structured my life around a materialistic rat race that blurs God's presence into oblivion and distracts me from the reason that I'm alive? Have I structured my life in a way that, that almost accidentally makes me fractured and fragmented and, and a stressed out American consumer. We have to choose. Haunting questions as we start our journey together. You cannot serve both God and money. Don't miss your calling. Don't miss your purpose. Don't mislive. Because you bought the propaganda instead of the truth. Those who want to get rich, Scripture says, fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, lusting after more, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. They have become miserable. They've gained the world and lost their soul. And if the advertisers have their way, we too are at risk of this fate. So as we close, I want to do a quick exercise this morning. If you have a journal, you can pull it out. Uh, if not, you can just take some time to kind of sit and listen and pray 
uh, and even jot down some notes. If you don't have a journal, you, know, you can use your phone if that's not going to be a distraction. But I want to I take a few moments here uh, as we head into worship to just pray and listen and journal uh, around a simple series of questions. What is my pearl? What is my purpose? What is God asking me to do with my life? Why am I alive? A nice, light question to contemplate this morning. But what you're going to do, what we are going to do, is you're going to establish this before God, and you're going to carry it with you through the series. This is the pearl. This is the treasure buried in the field. This is why we seek simplicity. This is why we chase biblical minimalism. It's for this. We sell everything we have for the pearl, for the field, for the thing or things that we most value. So we're going to take some time to pray and listen. And during this time, God is going to start speaking to you. And for many of you, he's going to start speaking uh, about old dreams that he gave you, maybe years ago, maybe a decade ago, dreams that he planted in your mind and your heart. He's going to revive those dreams. Now, for some of you, he's going to uh, give you new dreams. For, other, he, for others, he's going to stir in your heart the, this desire to be more devoted to your friends or your spouse if you're married or your kids if you have them. And there's going to be implications involved. What's keeping me from that? For many of us, he's going to speak about the time he wants to spend with us, about the intimacy, the relationship that he so desires to have with you. And then, and then he's going to start pointing out, hey, here's what's, what, what is it? What's holding you back from that? For some of you, he, he's going to um, fan into flames a, a, a dream of hosting people in, in an uncluttered home for the sake of the kingdom of God. For others, it might be opening up room in your schedule or in your family for other people to come in, those in need. For all of us, it's going to be centered around Jesus and the kingdom of God, but for each and every one of us, his dream, his call, his desire is specific to you. What's your pearl? What's your field? What's the thing that you need to be ready to sell everything to take hold of? Let's pray. Jesus, we recognize that we come to you, that you're unchanging, um, and yet stuff here with us is always changing. And we happen to have been born in a time of, of peak stuff throughout all of human history. Uh, have we ever had so many people who were able to become so distracted? as we are today. Lord, would, you, would you come as the master teacher, as God, as Savior, as, as the master dreamer? I place a new dream in our hearts this morning. May your thoughts become our thoughts. May your dreams become our dreams. 
Lord, we, we proclaim as a community in one voice this morning that, that we don't want to mislive. We believe, Jesus, with every bone in our body that we will stand before you at the end of the age and give an account of our lives. And there'll be no sense of us rambling and, and babbling about the American dream or how much we had in, in our bank account before we died. Not a single one of us will stand there and wish we had more material stuff. But I, I have a sneaking suspicion that millions will stand there wishing that they hadn't mislived. We submit our lives to you now, Jesus. Our dreams, our desires, our physical stuff. Come and speak to us now. Don't let us mislive. Speak to us about who we are, about who you created us to be. Show us our pearl, and we will sell everything to chase after it with you. We surrender to you now. We wait on you now. In Jesus' name.